0: One of our North Star goals is to just change the standard of care. We think it's a shame in 2022 that there's so many videos that aren't being captured it's Kind of crazy to me. You can walk around with an iPhone and record basically unlimited 4k video of anything you want. And, uh, for some reason in healthcare you know our our most precious asset our health our bodies we're we're not saving this data is a little bit crazy to me i still feel like there's a huge opportunity to add a digital layer to what's going on in gi and endoscopy at large i think there's just like so many opportunities for software solutions to come in and help out and i think we're still in the very early stages of doing so
1: Matt, it's great to meet you here on the Scope Forward show. I want to warmly welcome you uh, today, and I'm so glad to have this conversation with you.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm a longtime fan. I know we've uh, been in touch for a number of years now, so it's great to be here.
1: So let me start by introducing you to everybody. So Matt is the CEO and co-founder of Virgo, a digital health startup that uses machine learning to automatically capture endoscopy videos and accelerate Clinical trials. Matt has a degree in biomed engineering from Vanderbilt University. Before starting Virgo, Matt led product management teams in the minimally invasive spine surgery and robotic surgery fields. So that's quite a switch from spine and robotic surgery to endoscopy video recording. So tell us the backstory, Matt. How did all this happen?
0: It's an interesting story. I don't know that I would have predicted ending up in the gi space but it's it's been a fun journey to get here i mean when i was at intuitive surgical in particular working on the da vinci robotic surgery system uh, this is back in 2015 i i became really interested and passionate about machine learning and computer vision and felt like there was this whole untapped potential for bringing machine learning systems into the world of video-based medical procedures and you know felt like it was a waste, all there's was an incredible amount of video data being generated in these procedures that nobody was capturing. And if we could only start capturing it, we could build all of the really compelling machine learning to go on top of it. And so that's what you know led me to, to lead intuitive and start Virgo. And in the very earliest days of Virgo, we were actually primarily thinking about capturing video from surgical specialties. So you know, in the, the earliest days, I was speaking with all of the orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons and colorectal surgeons that I've I'd, I'd worked with over the years. And there was some interest in video capture, but, you know, it, it was not the intense sort of interest that you need for an early stage startup. It wasn't the, you know, the right product market fit at that time and started doing a little bit of background research and recognized that. Within GI endoscopy, from a, a procedure volume perspective, it absolutely dwarfs all of the surgical specialties. It you know maybe doesn't get the same level of attention as surgery does, but from a volume perspective, there's just an incredible amount of healthcare going into GI endoscopy. And so, um, actually connected with the dad of a childhood friend who's a gastroenterologist in my hometown of Indianapolis. He said, uh, you know, there's this Dr. Doug Rex, he's right down the street. Actually, Dr. Rex's endoscopy center is about 10 minutes from where I grew up. He's one of the world experts in colonoscopy, and and you should really speak with him. I think he might be interested in video capture. My co-founder, Ian, his dad was also seeing his gastroenterologist at the time, David Cave up at uh, UMass. And between the two of them, they gave us a lot of encouragement that GI was really a specialty to look at. We ended up going on Dr. Cave's recommendation to the AGA Tech Summit back in, I think it was April of 2017, and just met a bunch of really forward-thinking gastroenterologists who who thought what we were doing was really interesting. And that, more than anything, pulled us into the gastroenterology space. So it was an exercise in kind of following the voice of the customer and just seeing where uh, where things led us, more so than us having any bright ideas of our own and, and figuring that GI was the place to be.
1: Very interesting. Now, I recall the last time we met in person, you know, you talked about Virgo as an endoscopy video recording system. Somewhere along the way, I see that clinical trials have been added, and I'm assuming it was a, a pivot that you made during the last couple of years. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, I think when we look at Virgo, our core competency is certainly in building automated video capture infrastructure and doing that in a cloud-based fashion, we still feel like there's a ton of potential to help gastroenterologists and endoscopists in general easily capture their video data. So that is what the entire Virgo platform is built on, making it really easy to capture high-quality endoscopy videos. In the, the earliest days, we were selling that as a software solution to hospitals and health systems around the country and built up a a nice business in doing so, but the long-term value of the company, we always believed would come from the data that was being captured and building additional tools on top of that data. Just before COVID really kicked in, we started exploring the pharmaceutical clinical trial space. And again, this was actually largely driven by our key customers, many of whom were principal investigators on pharmaceutical trials, a lot of them in the IBD space. And we were hearing over and over again that the technology available to help facilitate IBD trials is pretty lackluster. And, you know, there's this whole component of IBD trials around central reading where it's an interesting case where you actually have to capture the video data uh, for patients that are part of the study and doctors were required to use these, you know, pretty challenging to set up laptop systems. They would come in and try to plug plug everything in the day of the case. Then the laptop would get shipped around the world for the central reading and so the pis were telling us it'd be great if you could do something around central reading so we took it upon ourselves just make a bunch of contacts with pharma executives and innovation leaders in the pharma space and what we heard was that this central reading was certainly a problem but the biggest challenge around ibd trials was in just recruitment of patients into these studies for ibd studies You know, a big phase three study might take 500 to 2,000 patients to fully enroll. And if you look at the data on your typical, even high-performing IBD trial sites, they're only enrolling about a patient per year on average. And so the pharma companies end up having to onboard several hundred sites around the world. Many of those sites actually fail to produce any patients for the study. And the studies still take multiple years to actually get completed. And the impact of this is huge. It's delaying drugs from reaching patients. There's a huge financial impact on the pharma companies. Every day the drug is in trial and not on the market. They're missing out on a ton of money. We started to just think a little bit more deeply about this problem, talk to our advisors, principal investigators to figure out what some of the root causes were around these low recruitment rates and ultimately discovered a huge part of it is around screen failure during endoscopy we kind of put our heads together and realized that the data we're capturing in endoscopy video in just standard of care encounters can be really powerful as a tool to find the right patients for the right clinical trial so it was a business model pivot kind of driven by the market need and the fact that pharmaceutical companies there's just a ton of opportunity for digital health companies to work with them. And I think in a lot of respects, they can make a better early customer than hospitals and healthcare systems, just based on the amount of capital that they have to deploy into new solutions.
1: So are your customers, are your current customers pharma companies?
0: It's both pharma companies and healthcare providers. So at the core of what we provide, it's still really important that we're helping gastroenterologists to capture their endoscopy video data. Of the value that we add to a clinical practice is that they can use Virgo for all of the great things they can do with their video data. Doctors can build up their libraries, use videos for research projects, uh, training with residents and fellows, quality improvement. We have doctors that actually share videos directly with patients as a a patient engagement technique. And so we want doctors to be able to get value on a day to day basis from Virgo. Uh, and, And we think that's a really important part of the solution. And then our other set of customers are the pharmaceutical companies where we can help them to accelerate clinical trials. We're actually doing a bunch of other work around trial site selection and optimization, starting to get into the central reading space. We we think the platform can really be a central hub for um, not just IBD trials, but other GI trials going forward. So it's almost like a a two-sided marketplace now where we've got on one side, the provider groups, on the other side, the pharma companies, and we're a technology solution in the middle that helps to, to optimize uh, the integration between the two.
1: I just want to understand this a little bit more. So it, it is not necessary yeah. that the physician on one side and the pharma company are connected, right? It's separate, these are two. That's right. Two different right. business units, if you will. Like, so it's the same solution, but uh, it's being applied and utilized for different purposes on either side
0: exactly so it's the same the core video capture infrastructure is at the foundation of both sides of the equation there but the actual features and tools that we put in front of the users are slightly different whether it's a doctor looking to use virgo to capture ercp cases for presentations or if it's a pharma company that is you know working with us to help accelerate their clinical trial recruitment core platform that gets installed in the endoscopy suite is the same uh, across the board
1: on the physician side on the gastroenterologist side what are they paying you for and what is the business model there
0: the fundamental business model is around video capture and video access so we have a an annual software fee that we provide so we'll include the hardware as a loaner, there's no additional charge for the hardware. And with that annual subscription fee, the health system receives unlimited recording, unlimited storage, unlimited user accounts, and unlimited data access. So um, we're very motivated to get doctors recording not just some of their procedures, which I think is how things have been done in the past. You record very rarely. We'd actually like to motivate people to record every single procedure that they have. And so We've set up this model where it's just fully unlimited. We install the devices for interventional advanced endoscopy suites. We'll actually set up multiple uh, devices so you can record endoscopy, fluoroscopy, spyglass, endoscopic ultrasound, all from the same room in the same procedure simultaneously. Uh, And again, you can do that fully in an unlimited capacity. And then at the same time, it for Health systems that are interested in getting involved in our clinical trial solutions, uh, working with some of our pharmaceutical partners, we have discount programs that can actually dramatically reduce the cost of Virgo to the the provider, and we're able to then monetize by working with pharmaceutical companies.
1: So I get the benefit from a training and education. You know, from that standpoint, is there a business benefit for providers to record video?
0: Yeah, I think. There are certainly some indirect business benefits to just improving overall quality. Uh, training programs are certainly motivated to have higher quality training tools for their trainees. One of the big business motivators has actually been around clinical research on the provider front too. Um, as I'm sure you're familiar, you know whether it's in private practice or in academic groups, there is a lot of motivation to have high-functioning research organizations within those groups and for GI practices that can run efficient clinical research groups with low limited overhead can actually become a profit center for what they do because the pharma companies, again, are are highly motivated to find sites that are good at producing high quality patients for their trials. And so what we can do for the the clinical trial sites, uh, the healthcare providers, is help them find more patients within their pre-existing populations that are good candidates for research. And we can do that without them having to add additional overhead. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with with clinical trials right now, but it, it tends to be a very manual uh, intensive process where you have to hire skilled clinical research coordinators, and you know certain clinical research coordinators have more experience than others. They're better at, at finding and selecting patients and administering these trials. And it can be a lot of overhead and and there i i know there have been some uh some groups especially in private practice that have tried to spin up clinical research arms and have struggled to do so they end up you know spending a lot on overhead and not actually producing much in terms of patient enrollment and when they do that they're not being compensated by the pharma companies enough to support the overhead so we can basically be a free tool that helps them Drive a more profitable uh, research center within their practice.
1: From the point of view of the pharma companies, you're helping recruit yeah. right patients for, let's say, IBD trials. How yeah. exactly does the system identify that so and so patient is suitable for this kind of a trial? What is in the system that is able to identify this?
0: Yeah, great question. So, um, IBD trials, they're a great case study to focus on. They have some nuances to them that make them perfectly set up for this, but we think the similar process will apply for other disease areas in GI and actually outside of GI that we're looking at. Speaking about IBD as as an example case, for ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease trials, there are very specific endoscopic scoring criteria that a patient must meet in order to be eligible for a trial. And if you look at the typical workflow for finding a patient for an IBD study, typically it happens when the principal investigator for the study, uh, who's you know one doctor within a practice, if it's a large super group, it could be you know 100, 200 physicians within the practice. There's really only one doctor who's the principal investigator. That physician is generally pretty good about evaluating their personal patient population. And if they catch wind of a patient that they're about to see in clinic that they think might be a good candidate for a trial, they'll approach the patient and say, hey, we think you may be a good fit. We need to get you a colonoscopy to see if you meet the endoscopic criteria for this study. A lot of patients don't want to go through an unnecessary colonoscopy. And so the ones that do, they will show up. And you have to hope that the patient does, in fact, meet the right scoring criteria. The screen failure rates on endoscopy we hear are in the uh, range of 50 to 70%. So you get a ton of patients that show up, they get this colonoscopy, and they don't actually meet the criteria. It's a pretty terrible experience for the patient. It's a generally not great situation for the clinical research coordinator who puts in a ton of work only to have all of these failures over and over again before they get a patient finally enrolled. And so what we do with Virgo is actually just focus on capturing every single standard of care colonoscopy that's taking place as part of a patient's normal journey. So if you have an IBD patient and they're going to see whoever their physician is, they get an endoscopy. And we've developed some machine learning, we call it auto IBD, that's creating a predictive score that's not diagnostic in nature. So we're not trying to say, you know, what the Mayo score is or the simple endoscopic score for Crohn's disease. We're simply using this as a triaging score. And so the higher the score is, closer it is to one, the more likely we think this patient is going to be a good candidate. And we create a threshold and start automatically sending those patients to the clinical research coordinator. One of the areas where this gets really impactful is within a large practice, even though there's only one principal investigator on the IBD study, most of the partners within the practice do have some level of an IBD patient population. And so we're helping those doctors funnel patients to the the principal investigator without having to actually do any extra work. Um, you know, Most doctors, if they're not the principal investigator, they don't really know what's going on from a research perspective, they don't know all the details of the study, and we can help them automatically identify patients in their population uh, and get them referred over to their partner who is the principal investigator on a study. The best way to think about it is almost like flipping the paradigm with recruitment to using standard of care data, which is the video of the endoscopy as the first step in finding the right patients and then getting them into the research pipeline from there, as opposed to you know just focusing on any patient and hoping and, and kind of crossing your fingers that their endoscopy is going to meet the criteria.
1: And now these videos, I'm um, you know out of curiosity, uh, how much of video data is generated in GI on a given day, month, year? I'm sure you've, oh, man. <laughs> you've done some some analysis on you know, on this.
0: Yeah. We, we've done some analysis i'm a little rusty on the exact numbers but i mean we've seen it, it's actually uh, challenging to get great numbers on how many gi endoscopies are done in the u.s every year we've seen estimates that range from 15 million to upwards of 50 million uh, on an annual basis i think the right number is probably around 25 million uh, gi endoscopies or so and, you know, we see within our data set, we're now coming up, I think, on about 400,000 GI endoscopy videos that we've captured. Uh, and that number is just growing almost exponentially. Um, you know, we've seen that the, the typical GI endoscopy uh, is about 10 minutes in duration. You've got some really short uh, upper endoscopies. You've got some really long ERCPs. And then you've got some standard uh, colonoscopies there in the middle. So we see about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for a typical GI endoscopy video. Now, in terms of how much data is being generated, the question gets a little bit nuanced because it depends on what quality you're saving the data at, what sort of data compression you're doing. We try to be really intelligent uh, intelligent about our data capture to make sure that we're minimizing storage costs, but also preserving really high quality video data. Um, so what we see on our end, the way we, we've set up the Virgo platform it's roughly one to one and a half gigabyte per hour of endoscopy footage that we capture. So it's uh it's a lot of data. And you know, th- there's a lot of data that still is going uncaptured today. And one of our North Star goals is to just change the standard of care. We think it's a shame in 2022 that there's so many videos that aren't being captured. Kind of crazy to me, you can walk around with an iPhone and record basically unlimited 4K video of anything you want. And uh for some reason in healthcare, you know, our, our most precious asset, our health, our bodies, we're, we're not saving this data is a little bit crazy to me.
1: So 400,000 videos, that's a lot of videos. Who owns this data?
0: Yeah, so our customers, the healthcare providers, own their data, uh, and that's really important to us. There's a lot of incredible potential applications for what can be done with this data. And we wanna make sure that our customers are at the forefront of using their own data, whether that's for research, training, whatever it might be. We also have a number of academic partners who are leveraging their own data that they capture in Virgo to build their own artificial intelligence tools that they're using, looking to license, and we wanna support that. Now, with our customers owning their data, they grant us a license to use the data to provide it back to them in the platform, and make improvements to our system. It's a pretty typical SaaS agreement that allows us to just furnish the actual services and make sure they can view their videos in the cloud and then make improvements over time with that data.
1: So when you say license agreement, you pay them for using the videos?
0: No, so as, as part of our customer agreement, we're granted a license to uh, to leverage the data. So uh, yeah, it, it, again, it's a typical SaaS agreement where like in order for us to just even have a portal that they can access, we need a license to put their data back into that portal so that they can actually use the Virgo platform.
1: Uh, what are your growth plans? Are your growth plans going to largely come from healthcare providers and pharma companies or are you going to go beyond?
0: It's a two-sided growth plan. Certainly you know our goal is to get Virgo into as many endoscopy suites eventually around the world as possible. We have some plans right now, starting pretty soon and into later this year to start expanding internationally, uh, both in Latin America and the EU. Uh, I think also looking in Asia uh, later this year into early next year. So that's one side of the equation is just, how do we get Virgo into every single endoscopy suite around the world? And a lot of that is coming just through organic growth. We've been building out our internal sales team. Uh, We also are starting to see some really positive network effects from the platform where we get doctors actually sharing videos with their colleagues at other institutions that don't have Virgo. And it's a great reason for us to follow up with them and and try to understand if there's an opportunity to bring Virgo to their practice as well. Uh, And then we are starting to build out strategic partnerships. We are taking on a strategic investment from a a major endoscopy manufacturer uh, that we'll be able to announce here shortly and uh, working on some commercial relationships with them as well that will, will help to rapidly scale up our distribution. So That's one side of the equation is just get Virgo out into the field in as many places as possible. And on the other side is trying to work with as many pharmaceutical companies as possible. Uh, We've got a number that we work with today and are are looking to expand those relationships. You know, we've talked about patient recruitment as a major part of what we offer to pharma companies. But again, we're starting to expand our scope of uh, solutions with pharma companies as well, where we can actually help them identify Optimize clinical trial sites based on historical data that we've captured at certain locations, and then pick the best sites that are already up and running with Virgo. Then we get into patient recruitment as well as central reading as uh, you know part of the full solutions that we can offer with the Virgo platform. You know one thing that's maybe interesting to talk about on the the pharma side is, uh, there's a ton of focus on IBD, the gorilla in the GI pharma space. We, we've got a lot of, lot of runway in the IBD space, but there are other disease areas within GI and actually beyond GI that we are looking at now. You know, eosinophilic esophagitis is a hot up and coming area for GI pharma, acid reflux, colorectal cancer trials, uh, gastric cancer trials. We think all of these. Any any trial that uh, could potentially involve endoscopy in the continuum of care, we think they're gonna be great opportunities for Virgo to expand. Um, and then outside of GI, we're starting to look at pulmonary and urology studies where we, we've actually started capturing a decent number of bronchoscopy videos at a number of our sites. Uh, and we'll start looking to capture cystoscopy videos here in the near term as well.
1: Aren't the doctors concerned that all their video you know, is being captured because you know the medical industry is one of the most regulated and physicians are one of the most regulated professionals out there, right? Like, so there are, even point of time, seven or eight different bodies looking at every little thing that they do. Uh, I would suspect uh, one of the concerns that endoscopists have uh, would be that, you know, their data is now out in the open and it's for everybody who wants to see to see. Uh, and uh, uh, if, if they may be well-meaning but let's say that something has gone wrong now that data is forever uh, captured for, you know, for eternity and it's, it's out there in the cloud somewhere. Isn't that a big concern?
0: It's probably the first major objection that we faced when starting a company Um, you know, my, my dad's actually a spine surgeon. And so, you know, I told him, I was thinking about quitting my job and I wanted to start this company where we're going to record every video that, uh, that the doctors create. And I thought he's going to like reach through the phone and and try to strangle me. He's like, I don't want my videos recorded. This is a terrible idea. It's malpractice implications. And, you know, I, I, I certainly understand that sentiment and, and we've, uh, we've interacted with that sentiment quite a lot, but I think the there's a bit of a sea change happening where I think people are seeing the other side of the story. And uh, from our side, we we did a ton of research in the early days to figure out what were the actual liability implications. And uh, what this involved for me, I actually did a, a whole deep dive into the medical malpractice insurance industry and spoke with experts from medical malpractice insurance companies. And if you talk to them, it, it's really interesting what drives the cost in medical malpractice. And it turns out about 60% of their costs are paid in legal fees, and the other 40% is what gets paid out to patients in eventual settlements. So they actually spend more money going to lawyers than what goes to patients as part of malpractice suits. And when you, when you speak with them, they're really motivated to find ways to reduce those legal costs. And one of the best ways to do it is just by settling cases early. Now, with malpractice, in most states, you need to have both evidence of negligence and harm. There can't just be harm done, there has to actually be negligence, the doctor not following the standard of care. And what most malpractice insurance companies feel, uh, also if you you, you talk to experts who are providing expert testimony, they feel like video evidence can be a great tool of protection for endoscopists. If you've got a video showing that the doctor performed a standard of care endoscopy, there's basically no better way to go to a judge and say, you know, listen, the doctor performed standard of care. This case needs to be dismissed. Or if the video does show that there was true negligence, not just that there was harm or something was missed, but you know, the doctor did a two minute colonoscopy and there's no way they could have possibly done a a high quality exam. The malpractice companies would actually rather just settle that case early as opposed to drag it out over five years and rack up legal fees. And so, We've actually had malpractice insurance companies that are willing to offer discounts on malpractice premiums to practices that implement Virgo across the board to record all their videos. And we think that's the way of the future. There's an um, article that was written by Doug Rex where he talks about, you know, in, in radiology, the entire MRI exam is captured. Uh, it's not like you just saved the slice that has the actual diagnosis. They're really good about documenting everything and he explains in this article that you know he thinks the best way to protect yourself as an endoscopist is to have a high quality video recording and if you're doing a good job that video is going to be much more likely to protect you than hurt you over the long term. So this is a, it's a conversation that comes up all the time. I have noticed, you know, in the 5 years since we started the company that I really think things are moving in this other direction where people see this as protective and the way of the future going forward.
1: There are a lot of AI companies starting up in healthcare and in uh, GI in particular, one of them went through a huge fundraising cycle recently. I would think that a lot of these companies would actually be interested in video data to apply computer vision, to detect the polyps, classify the polyps and do whatever they're doing. That seems to be one uh, growth opportunity as well. I'm sure you've considered it.
0: It's a very active space. I think the investment that you know we're seeing flowing into digital health companies in GI, specifically around AI, there's just a lot of motivation to figure out what the future is going to look like five or 10 years from now. And I think we're still in the super early stages. I mean, like, you know, GI genius on the market, but I don't really know what the future is gonna look like from an AI perspective. What sort of clinical diagnostic tools are actually going to receive reimbursement, I think is gonna have huge impact. From our perspective, our again, our core competency is capturing this data and we are receiving more and more inbound from companies that are focused more on the AI algorithm development, who are hungry for not just data, but actually a platform where their algorithm can be deployed. From like the very beginning days of the company, we wanted to, to provide a product, you know, day one, as early as possible. We wanted to have a product that could be installed and add value to doctors. And by nature of doing that, we now have this platform where we, we built some AI of our own that we roll into the, uh, into the platform, but we're very interested in what other algorithms from third parties, be it, um, you know, AI startups, large, larger players in the, the endoscopy space that are building AI, or even academic partners that are building their own AI, you know, we'd love to find ways to um, help them run their algorithms in the real world clinical setting. I I think what we've seen a lot of is that a lot of AI can remain in the research phase for a very long time where you get these publications, it's a cool proof of concept, but there's not a clear path to actually deploy these systems out in the field. And so, uh, you know, we think as part of having the pipe set up for the videos it's a great way to start deploying machine learning algorithms too. So we're, we're exploring a number of possible partnerships uh, in the AI space. Case
1: okay, so you've obviously heard of the phrase uh, data is the new oil. Uh, so, so here we are, uh, but the chokehold in the AI space, you know, it's not the algorithm anymore. In the earlier years, it used to be the algorithm and there were, you know, the startups were all excited about creating A better AI algorithm, Uh, (laughs) but you know that you can just drag and drop from an Amazon website.
0: It turns out out Google, yeah, Google is better than everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like you can. Not much of a point. And it's free.
1: Uh, So some of these AI algorithms are free. So that's no longer the chokehold. The chokehold is data uh, and clean data. So and who can guarantee data? So I see a huge opportunity here where both. Uh, endoscopist physicians on one side providers yep. uh, can benefit uh, through a partnership and and companies like yours uh, that are making this data usable, uh, if you make it yeah. usable, uh, can, can benefit because this is exponential. I mean, it's going to explode. So
0: we pretty early on felt like the algorithm was not the secret sauce here. And part of that was because Like I realized early myself as not a machine learning expert, I was able to build these kind of interesting machine learning tools because uh, there's so much open source available technology out there. And so, you know, we felt like the the real differentiators would be um, the data, but with the data it's important how much data you have, what the quality of that data is, uh, how you can refine the data. And one of the things that I think is overlooked with data is, um, is how fresh the data is. Like the, the best AI technologies in the world, like you know when you think about self-driving cars or Google search technology, they don't just have a small data set that's stagnant. They've got a constant stream of ever refreshing data so that they can refine an algorithm, test it in the real world, see how it performs and, and so they're always being able to, to just move things forward and so that was really important for us is how do we get data continually flowing in instead of just like you know we could have always gone and asked a few health providers you know capture 10,000 videos for us and then that's it. but we felt like the the continual pipes were the important part there. Um, so I think that's important and then the other piece that I think is going to be maybe more important than anything is just figuring out the right business model around AI. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical myself about like where clinical decision support, uh, is going to fit in from a a business perspective, just because I, I worry about whether we're ever going to see positive reimbursement for clinical decision support AI tools and whether that's going to make sense. So I think, um, that's a big part of it is just cracking the business model and the distribution piece as well with AI.
1: Let's uh, switch gears to the business aspects of your company so congratulations yeah. first of all to you and your team uh, for doing uh, a great fundraise so uh, can, w- what can you share with us about this fundraise yeah
0: so this is our series A raise uh, we raised eight million dollars in capital which we're incredibly excited about. Um, we, we've got a great lead investor uh, a group called FCA Venture Partners which is out of Nashville. Um, which is it's fun for me my co-founder we both went to vanderbilt nashville so it's it's nice to have a a national investor and they focus exclusively on healthcare they've got really deep networks with healthcare provider groups Uh, they've also invested in a number of uh, digital health companies that specifically provide software services to pharmaceutical partners so they've been an amazing partner um, you know the other thing we're, we're incredibly excited about with the raise I, I I mentioned it before is that we've got a strategic investor coming on board um, it'll be the first investment out of their corporate investment fund. I can't announce uh, who it is just yet but we'll, we'll be announcing soon and um, we're we're just uh, thrilled to have them on board as a partner We think not just from an investment perspective but from a, a long-term strategic relationship it's going to make a ton of sense and, and really help drive our growth forward so um, with the Series A, you know, it's all about uh, building out the team. We've already added a number of folks to the team through this year, and we'll look to roughly double uh, between now and the rest of the year, uh, adding people to the, the sales and customer support side of the house, as well as building out our engineering team.
1: You have a bird's-eye view uh, of the GI space, I must say, right? Like, So you're connected <laughs> to so many different practices, providers, uh, you're seeing the industry from the pharma side, where everything is going. What is the future of GI You know, from your lens as an innovator, as an engineer?
0: Take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm certainly biased in the space, but I still feel like there's a huge opportunity to add a digital layer to what's going on in GI and endoscopy at large. I think there's just like so many opportunities for software solutions to come in and help out and I think we're still in the very early stages of doing so. We're pretty friendly with a number of digital health companies like Sonar MD and Oshi Health. And I, I think what they're doing is incredibly compelling and, and starting to bring the patient experience much more into the folds when it comes to, uh, to software. So I, I think we're going to see um, at, at some point in like the next five years, a digital layer emerge on top of what's happening in endoscopy that goes well beyond just endoscopy report writing. When I look at like the EHR is kind of the de facto digital layer of healthcare right now. And I've always felt like EHR is, the term is kind of a misnomer, like to call it an electronic health record um, is is not doing justice to, to the term health in the equation there. They're really uh, electronic health billing records. Like if you look at EHR is designed as a billing tool to facilitate optimal billing in healthcare. And I think there's still an opportunity to build software that creates a proper health record, a clinical record that's viable for clinicians to use uh, in day-to-day clinical practice. So, I don't know. That's uh, I don't know if that exactly answers the question, but I think we're going to get to a point where it's not just hardware being used for endoscopy. That there's like you know true digital tools on top of uh, the endoscopy staff.
1: Matt, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for sharing your perspective and you know being open about everything that i asked is there anything else that you wanted to share
0: this has been fantastic thanks so much for having me you know i always enjoy your interviews that you post i think you do an awesome job of just bringing together different minds from the industry and more than anything love your willingness to put a controversial opinion out there so yeah look forward to seeing more of your interviews and keep that up